Hello, Internet. You're listening to the In Your House Comedy Podcast with KD and Kersey. Now hold on to your butts. Keep your arms and legs inside the podcast at all times. Prepare to have an autographical orgasm in three, two, 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 one. Welcome to the KD and Cozy podcast, a show where we talk about all things weird and or interesting, including topics such as true crime to creepy characters, from natural disasters to bizarre events in history. This is episode 8, and as always, I am your resident stand-up comedian, all-around creative juggernaut, KD Hinken, and once again, I am joined by Rattlechap Spaceman Extraordinaire, with a beautifully big head and some matching luscious hair. Please welcome Mr. Aaron Kersey. How are you, dude? I'm all good, dude. I'm all good. Thank you for asking. How have you been this week? Yeah, I've been all right, man. Stressful stuff as always. Fun stuff as always. The usual concoction of concoction of life. Bit of balance in between there, so it's all good. Yeah, we all live in the grey area, don't we? Look at that little roller there. Sponsored yeah, do you like that? Yeah. Very, very cool. I like it. It's very... Um, New, n- newscasted is that the word no hi we're sponsored by nobody's variety clothing yeah so um before we get started anyway i did just want to talk about something okay. um like i said it's in regards to ufos it, it, i suppose the title of it would be did i see a ufo did you see uh, a ufo yeah Okay, so, I'm, I'm intrigued now. Is this your story? Have we started off already? Or? No, 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 this is okay. not the story. This is a random tidbit. I wasn't oh, sure if okay. I wanted to say it. It was like two weeks ago now, or a yeah. week and a half ago, something like that. Um, and I felt like what I saw must have been, because I've looked at it so much, I'm so interested in it lately, and I've read about it, I feel like what I saw can either go one or two ways. It can either go that um, I just kind of imagined it because yep. I'm hoping to see that or i knew what to look for mm-hmm. but my mom saw like the tail end of it too like the end of what i saw so but i, I was just walking back from um, the quiz with her and i looked up in the sky like i always do i always just look up and look around um and just i looked up and kind of in front of me in the dark sky and it felt like it wasn't that far away it was just like a white kind of ball just kind of shut kind of did like a weird curve thing like did like a weird curve thing and went up and then stayed where it was kind of vibrated and then looked like it disappeared but on reflection Mm. looking like it disappeared could have easily just been been it um shooting off fast yeah and even more thinking about it is like all the tic-tac videos and all that say that they vibrate a load before they shoot off fast weird it's a shame you didn't get it captured you could have been oh a new... yeah we call you Ki- tic tac carl or <laughs> KD, you know it looked just like that kind of thing like, that was that was, what was that's, weird shame, about it. that's weird but you never yeah. know though do you it could be stuff you're looking for or just evidence that there's, there's something there man there's something exactly there. you just you, you never know. know and it's like because i've looked wanted to see something as well mm. It's like, am I just thinking that? But because I'm thinking that, I feel like it wouldn't be the case because I'm aware of that and questioning it. But then am I just doing that? God knows. You just go into that uh, rabbit hole of uh, questions, don't you? You know. That's all I would do. Down and down. But no, that's that's interesting, man. I've I've never come across anything like it myself. So Really? No, never. 
I've been on out with um we used to do a lot of like big piss ups like over the field and stuff. When we got to college we'd get all the college because our media group was weirdly sound, like all of them in college. So we used to do big parties with them all in the field and stuff. That's cool. <laughs> and one time Apparently they were somewhere and they said they saw some we- two weird things dotting around and I like, mm. joined together and went off. I didn't see it, but Strange. yeah, that was something that a few people saw. Yeah, something I'd like to experience, but obviously never have. So it's either that or ghosts. I don't know what I'd prefer to have a proper experience with. I think ghosts still. I think I'd much really? prefer to have a yeah. I just don't see, see that happening. See, I have, but I, yeah. I never, I never know if it's real or not. Oh. And, and don't yeah. forget, suffering from sleep paralysis. Yeah, but, yeah. You know, we discussed it on this podcast before. It yeah. Do that. But it was when I was awake, like, and I was walking around. But could, I could have been sleepwalking. I don't know. Well, was it explaining to me? Because I've got something kind of that I dis, kind of disregard mm. now because the other person who's with me disregards it. But I don't. Yeah. But what, what was it? Um, I remember it was again when I was a bit younger and I just remember going up to go to the toilet and there was like this man like walking down my stairs and I just remember like looking thinking that's not my dad (laughs) (laughs) Um, that's not my dad and then it just it was like a figure with like a a balding man with glasses on Um, and he just walked down the stairs and he just disappeared I must have been about 10 or 11. So old enough to be aware. Aware that that shouldn't be happening. And yeah. But aware yeah. of being awake, at least. especially if you're walking. Exactly. like Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, I vaguely remember, because, it, because it's been some years now, I vaguely remember going to the toilet and like catching out the corner of my eye. And he walked down the stairs and he just disappeared. But I could have been, I don't know, man, I could have been um, sort of sleepwalking or just... Maybe oh, like man. the paralysis, sleep paralysis is still there, but like it, my mind was like, I yeah, yeah. Or maybe your mum and dad, like, to be fair, for you know, could have been like getting busy having a threesome for you know, they could, you know, parents do these things too, you never know. Well, and then the guy just like disappears, he's like, gone. That's just how you remember. You were young. <laughs> the memory is terrible, memory is a horrible thing, for it example. Is. Yeah, for example, my story, like, um, me and Snowman were walking through the graveyard where there's apparently yeah. the white lady, mm. um, and we were sober, Yeah, and just saw this, like, at the other end of the graveyard, this woman bowing down, like, to the one grave, and she was glowing white, looked like she had a veil on, and then just kind of stopped after we were just staying there for a bit, and just dis- kind of disappeared. That's how Weird. I remember it. Weird, man. That's how I remember it. It's like, this probably happened back in, like, I don't know, like, 2012 or something like that. Yeah, yeah, and a couple of years ago, Snowman now remembers it as a plastic bag. So, uh, okay, God knows. Like you say, the memories are a weird thing, but hey ho, um, hey ho. Who's first this week, man? I think it's myself. You know, I think I let you go first last week because you gave me a little choice there. But you ever heard of anyone called Cole Tanzler? Cole. Oh. Uh, is- well, I was about to say he's got a good name, but how is that spelled? Not the same way as yours. Oh, crap name. Yeah, sorry. Cole Tanzler. No, never heard of him. Nope. Um, we'll start off with, as we always do, a little bit of background on the on the gentleman that is known as Cole Tanzler. So he was a German-born uh, radiology technologist at the Marine Hospital Service in Key West, Florida. 
Um, he actually developed an obsession for a young Cuban-American uh, tuberculosis patient by the name of Elena uh, Milagro de Hoyos. Oh, that's funny. I had, I had to like watch a couple of videos to know how to pronounce that name. So <laughs> I just need a little pat on the back there. Well done, well done. So, so yeah. What, what was he again? Sorry, just to clarify. No, that's fine. So he was a radiology technologist. Basically, that means, you know, when you go to have x-rays done. Yeah. And you'll have, um, I don't know, someone there assisting you with that, taking photos yeah, you... of your bones. Um, yeah, that's what he did. That, that was his job in Florida. And he developed an obsession over this um, Cuban-American. But he actually carried on well after the, the d disease had caused her death. Okay. There you go. So I'll start you off with that. So um, Looks like he was as well. <laughs> he was. This, this yeah. one's a little bit messed up. Um, Same. This is our dark week this week, remember? It, it is. We should have entitled it like a subcategory of uh, dark week. Um, we can post. post. Yes, post it. Uh, can can you say? Post it, I mean, do it post put in post production. Post production. Post it like that. Um, write a letter. Write a letter. Um, <laughs> can you say? Are there any fans of necrophilia out there? Was it weird? Well, there's definitely fans of it. Hundred percent. Yeah, but what about people who like to hear about stories about it, or are intrigued by stories about it? Oh, uh, maybe that, Maybe that's yeah. the right word to use. Anything macabre is interesting. Anything where yeah. you don't quite understand how someone gets to that is interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you know where we you know where we're going now, don't you? I, I think I can hinder a guess. Okay. Cool, a guess cool. out there, maybe. <laughs> so um, yeah. So I'll give you a bit of background of Cole Tanzler, um, as we always do. He was born to a Jewish family as Cole Tanzler or George Cole Tanzler on February the 8th, 1877, in Dresden, Germany. 1877? 1877. Tanzler grew up in Imperial Germany, but at some point wound up in Australia just prior to the outbreak of World War I. Um, uh, it was around 1920. He actually married, I think it would have been his first and only wife, I believe, um, Dorish Schaefer. Um, and together... Schaefer, and together they actually had two children, Aisha and Clarista. I think is how you pronounce that. Um, so yeah, I think Clarista died when she was ten years old, sadly as well. So oh, Clarista wasn't a barista. Got to put a little drama in there, haven't we? So yeah, she died. <laughs> yeah, drama. Ignore the necrophilia. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, ignore that. Um, in 1926, so he emigrated to uh, the United States from Germany, sailing from Rotterdam on February the 6th, 1926, to Havana, Cuba. And then from Cuba, he settled in Florida, where his sister had already emigrated and was later joined by his wife and two daughters. So a little family gathering, and they've emigrated. Um, and that was in Australia, you said? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no. Where are we? No. Uh, America, United States. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. he in 1927, this is when he took up the job of being a radiologist at the U.S. Marine Hospital in Key West, as we mentioned earlier. But okay. he actually changed his name a little bit. It was Carl von Kossel. 
but no why cool <laughs> change your name for a new job um it's, a, it's surprising that he because he's so german that he hasn't got Carl with a k you know that's, so that's it, it's very german confusing name. because um in all accounts where um all the information that you find it is with a c but hmm. when, when they give his name as george cole tansler the Carl is actually spelled with a k like yours Oh, so yeah, maybe he's changed it because he didn't like it. Maybe. maybe it seems to be that he's not too into the German thing right now because he went to Australia and yeah. America. So I suppose for a better better life, I don't I don't know if he can say that, but you yeah, know. just westernising names. Only they always do that. Yeah, like immigrants. Yeah, uh, but it was actually um, one point we need to discuss really is that during his childhood back in Germany, um, I think he travelled to italy yeah italy and he claimed to have been visited by visitors uh, of, the, of the dead i believe it was a um, an ancestor of his uh, which was countess anna constantina van kozel maybe van kozel was one of his names that he was given yeah that's i guess it was a previous name that his family used um and that she she actually revealed the face of his true love and a exotic dark haired woman. So eventually, basically what we've got here is a vision of a, a dark haired woman would eventually come to Carl in his life. Been there. D did she? <laughs> <laughs> so um, enter Maria Milagro de Hoyos. It's such a mouthful. I'm really sorry. If I, I love the names in this. Messing about. So, lot lot of names to remember. Give it us again. Maria Malagro de Hoyos. That sounded good to me. Cool. Thank you. <laughs> so, uh, on April the 22nd, 1930, while working at the hospital, the Marine Hospital, Tanzler met Maria. And as we mentioned, she was a local Cuban-American woman who had been brought to the hospital by her mother uh, for an examination. It doesn't say what exactly, but it turns out why she was ill. So hmm. Tansler immediately recognised her as the beautiful, dark-haired woman that had been revealed to him in his early visions that we discussed earlier. So because she was dark-haired, beautiful, yeah. a lot younger than him as well, she was actually born in 1909 with Tansler been born in 1877 so quite an age different yeah, yeah you know? it's like 20 odd years yeah like 25 I'm, glad years or something. I'm glad you're better at maths than i am because i, I, <laughs> I can't work it out did you say 1902 did you um she was born 1909 and he was born in oh. 1877 so yeah yeah like 20 uh, 23 years nine, or something like that no like 32 years 30, 32 years it is yeah wow 32 years so okay quite an age difference you know but he basically falls for her because he's she's his dark-haired mystery. Love finds a way. Yeah. Um, but Steve is giving you visions of some of definitely her, you know. Yeah, oh, it's, it's definitely her. It's def definitely her. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so a bit of a background for Eleanor. She was actually the daughter of a local cigar maker, Francisco Hoyos and Aurora Milagro. Um, she had two sisters and one of them actually succumbed to TB which is weird and quite sad because this is ultimately the, um, you know, the, the death that um, Helena 
sorry, yeah. Maria yeah. eventually had. So was um, back then, though, weren't it? Yeah, big time. Yeah. I, I believe that she was m married as well. Um, but he actually left her after she suffered a miscarriage. I mean, what kind of guy does that? Dreadful. Yeah. So I guess he was like, well, she can't give me children. See you later. Which is awful. Um, she was eventually diagnosed with tuberculosis. Um, very, very fatal at that time. I mean, I suppose people yeah. probably die from it now. But it's just not as, um, uh, not around as much as it. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, isn't it as well? So they've got. Yeah. Um, didn't I mean, we have got... um, injections back in the day for those? Yeah, we had the vaccine, but I don't believe that they actually still do it now because they don't need no. to anymore. That's right. Yeah, few people get it, but I, I swear I heard something about someone in some country having it. It's still something that does pop up every now and then. Although animals, maybe, and they yeah. didn't want that to jump to people. But either yeah. way, it's still something we did, we can deal with now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we got up to, um, yeah, just stating that she had the disease. Um, Ta and, and Tansler, with his self-professed uh, medical knowledge, even though he wasn't a doctor, um, he attempted to treat and cure Eleanor with a, a variety of medicines, as well as x-rays and electrical equipment that were brought to Hoyos' home. Um, hmm? yeah, home? Yeah, her home. Oh, her, so, so he just went to her home to start treating her? To start treating her, yeah. With what? Just random medicines. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like her, her, herbal and homeopathy stuff, maybe. I don't know. Um, but yeah, Tan Tanslow actually showered her with gifts, uh, like jewellery and clothing, and professed his love to her. Um, but no evidence has like um, come about that she had any affection for him. So yeah. it was just one way, love. Yeah, not reciprocated. Nope. Not reciprocated. That's a very good word, reciprocated. Thank you. We've all been there, though. We've all been there. Very Everyone true. has to deal with that at some point. <laughs> very true. Not so much now, but very true. Not so much for me because, you know, beautiful. But Yes, you are. <laughs> but yeah, um, despite um, Tanzler's efforts, sadly, uh, Eleanor died of tuberculosis at her parents' home in Key West uh, on October the 25th, 1931. Um, he actually paid for the funeral costs with permission from his, uh, her family. And then he commissioned the construction of an above ground uh, mausoleum uh, in the Key West Cemetery, which he visited almost every night. Here we get to the interesting bit. So on one evening in April of 1933, Tan Tansler crept through the cemetery where Eleanor was buried and he removed her body. Okay. <laughs> Casting it through the cemetery after dark on a toy wagon and transporting it to his home. So he paid for the mausoleum and all that stuff, and then it's like, oh, I'm taking it. I suppose it's like a cover up. Like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll look after her. Now I'll Both, look. Yeah. Well, he reportedly, reportedly said that Eleanor's spirit would come to visit him often and would sit by a grave and serenade her corpse with a, a, her favourite Spanish song. He also said that she would often tell him to take her from the grave. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. Um, it so, seems like when, she, when once he actually met her, he was probably doing a little bit better mentally-wise. Like, he was seeing all this stuff before. Then at least when he was with her, taking care of, taking care of her, yeah. he was kinder together from the sign of it. Now, he had completely no again i mean not much is known about like his early life obviously he emigrated to 
the Amer- yeah. uh, America and uh, got a job in a hospital. I mean, what fair play to him. Like he's made a better life for himself in a different country. But to go this extreme, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Would he have been a disappointed to this see is, how old this she is, was? This is 1933 and he was born in 1877. So he'd have been like 50, 50s, something. Something like that, yeah. Just one, one key thing here is he actually he actually attached her bones together. If you think about it, she was you know decomposing so he actually attached her bones together with piano wire oh wow with the decomposition of a body her eyes would have gone so he replaced those with glass eyes <laughs> and as the skin was again decomposing or at least yeah. it had been decomposed and um, he replaced it with silk cloth coated in wax and plaster of paris um, and as the hair fell out um, from the scalp, he made a wig from um, her hair. Maybe he kept locks of it around the house. I don't know. Yeah. But uh, so, like, her hair would fall out constantly. So he'd just keep, like, and making a, he'd, like, bring it all together and make a wig for her. Yeah, yeah. And he actually filled her abdominal and chest cavities with rags to keep the original setting of the body. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. The shape, yeah, and dressed... Baby look like he remembers. <laughs> I, you, you, I've shown you the picture, man. Yeah, that's the picture of her in cap in, in encased in the wax, and that that's around 1940. That picture was taken. So that um, was her dead, all done up. Yep. Yeah. Wow, okay. And he dressed her with, um, you know, Eleanor's remains of her clothing and jewellery and he kept the body in his bed and he used copious amounts of perfume disinfectants and prevert pre- sorry preserving agents to mask the odor um of, of course the like the corpse's decomposition and like the smell can you ma- imagine that just like living with it in your bed it's just like proper creepy yeah. in the photo. it's it's horrific it reminds me of um you've seen Texas gentle massacre haven't you yeah, that, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, so psycho as well, but like the yeah. fake. So yeah, I mean, this is, goes on for years. He's been living with that body in his bed. In, yeah, Octo- in October of uh, 1940, Eleanor's sister, Florida, heard rumours of Tansler sleeping with um, her sister's body and confronted Tansler at his home where her body was eventually discovered. So I'm guessing that's where the photo was taken, the one that I shared. Yeah, yeah. Or we could have took it. But most Appar- likely, yeah, back then, yeah. Apparently, I don't know if it was a young boy or a young girl had apparently saw um, Tanza like dancing with the, the body in his front living room. Oh. <laughs> well, I wonder what other activities he got up to with this body. Probably quite a few, man. I guarantee there's a lot of stuff that didn't get um, looked at. And yep. I just realised what you might have meant. And now I'm like, oh. Yep, 100%. Necrophilia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not good. Um, but yeah. Yeah, as long as you got some lube, I don't, <laughs> I don't think you need it. It'll be all, yeah. It'll be dry. I imagine. Yeah, true, true. There wouldn't have yeah. there anyway. Ugh, nasty. Um, I just think a flashlight, you know, something, you know. <laughs> God. Um, yeah, but it was obviously, uh, you know, arrested and, and detained. Um, so I, I can't, I can't think of the word. Cut this bit out. It was examined um, mentally. Oh, he and, was, yeah. 
and he was actually found mentally... like a psychological test thing. Yes, yeah, psychological test, and he was yeah. found me mentally competent um, to stand trial on the charge of um, destroying a grave and removing a body without authorization. So just those, nothing yeah. else. Oh, that's all you got done for. Yeah. Well, um, I suppose. Yeah. What else would you get done for, really, other than? I suppose I'm like evidence of necrophilia, but I'm not, I'm is not too necrophilia sure. illegal technically. I don't know. I, I hope it is. It's, a bit weird. It's, it's one of them weird things. Like, um, for example, cannibalism in most countries isn't actually illegal. Mm. Um, what's illegal is like the obtaining of it. Mm -hmm. So, once again, like in this situation, the Probably obtaining the it, which is illegal mm. after the hearing. On October the 9th, 1940, at the uh, Key West County Courthouse, yeah. Tanzler was held to answer on the charge, but the case was eventually dropped and he was released as the statute of limitations for the crime had expired. So, oh, okay. because it was like, was it eight years? Yeah, something like eight years, which is, isn't much really that he actually took the body out and then. The statute of limit limitations of the, for the crime had expired. A bit weird, but hey ho. So, what, what was the time frame for that then exactly? So, it would so have been 1933. That's when he took the body out, and then by yeah, October, October 1940, that's when the they dropped the they dropped the the uh, case. Oh, that's weird, yeah. Yeah, strange. But, Not very um, long. I've just looked at something here though for America, and apparently. Yeah. Um, sexual penetration of a corpse was made illegal under the um, Sexual Offences Act of 2003. Um, uh, okay, that's interesting. Yes, yeah, so here that. actually, prior, prior to 2003, uh, necrophilia was not illegal. However, exposing a naked corpse in public was classed as a public nuisance. Oh, just a nuisance. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, there we go. That's why he wasn't charged for stuff like that. There you go, then, yeah. Yeah. But the ob obtaining is still... Learn something new every day. Shortly after the corpse's discovery by authorities, Eleanor's body was examined by physicians and pathologists. Pathologi pathologists. I can't say that word. I can't speak pathologists? today. Pathologists. Pathologists. I can't speak any day, man. I, I understand. <laughs> um, and it was actually put on public display at Dean Lopez Funeral Home, where it was viewed by as many as 6,000 people. Weird. Um, it was eventually returned to Key West Cemetery, where the remains were buried in an unmarked grave in a secret location to prevent further tampering. I guess they were like, Carl, listen here. <laughs> You've been very naughty. You've been very naughty with that, with that, with that corpse. We're going to bury it somewhere. You'll never find it. And that's what they did. So like telling someone specifically they're not allowed to squeeze people's muscles. <laughs> <laughs> They're just gonna do it again, aren't they? Yeah, squeeze is gonna squeeze. Grave digger's gonna dig. <laughs> well, I have to say, sadly, Carl, not you, but Cole Tanzler, did not I'm try KD. try this again. You are KD. We'll call you KD in this in this, this episode. In his life. <laughs> yeah, in this in this lifetime. Um So it, he didn't do it again then you said? No. No. So do not report. Not, though not reported, research has revealed evidence of Tanzler's necrophilia with Eleanor's corpse. 
Two physicians who attended the 1940 autopsy of Eleanor's remains recalled in 1972 that a vaginal tube had been inserted in the vaginal area of the corpse that allowed for intercourse. Fucking fleshlight, I told you. Yeah, well done. <laughs> yeah, man. Me and this guy, uh, sadly, on the same Wait. wavelength, at least when it comes to how to do it. It's fine, yeah. Um, others con um, stated that since no evidence of necrophilia was presented at the 1940 uh, hearing, um, and because the phys physician's proof surfaced in 1972, which was actually over 30 years after the case had been dismissed, the necrophilia allegation is questionable, which, okay, fair enough. Yeah. While, while no existing photographs of autopsy or photo photographs are taken at the public display show, a display a tube, sorry, the yeah, necrophilia yeah. claim was repeated by HBO autopsy program in 1999. So I'm guessing people try to still make out that necrophilia did happen with his body. Yeah, yeah. So. I mean, there's probably something you can do in regard to that because if even if necrophilia itself is, and I know a lot of states had different laws too, so surely that probably depends on it. Yeah. Um, and ways around it, and also probably if you're putting a tube up there, I imagine you could be you can turn it into some kind of like, you know, messing with the body too, damaging the yeah. body. You yeah, know I mean? definitely. Yeah. It's just, it's just horrible, isn't it? To think about stuff like that. Like when I read about, well, yeah. guess where I heard about this, Carl? YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> so when I, when I heard about it, I was just like, Oh, that's interesting. So I added, I've got a long list of things to cover on the podcast and I picked it up and I was like, yes, that'll be a good one. Yeah. Too. Um, and I like how we've uh, picked up on the same time where it's, dark yeah one. but yeah as I, as I say with, with Tansler um, in 1944 um, he didn't try this again with anybody else didn't fall in love sadly uh, 1944 he moved to Pasco County Florida where he wrote an autobiography that appeared in the publication Fantastic Adventures in 1947 his home was near his wife Doris who apparently helped to support Tansler in his later years he actually received citizenship in the United States in 1950 oh. within Tampa. So been there long enough. Um, yeah, yeah. Separated from his obsession, um, Tansley used a, a death mask to create a life-side uh, Eleanor and live with it until his death at age 75 on July the 3rd, 1952. Right. So I guess he like recreated like the the image of Eleanor. Yeah, well, yeah, death mask is like what they used to do in the back in the day, and they used to like put like a central plaster Paris over the face and get a yeah. cast of the face. Yeah, yeah. weird. Um, so yeah, as I say, he passed away. His body was discovered on the floor of his home three weeks after his death. He died under the name of Carl Tanzler because one of his names that he did um, give, which I don't know if we we covered, was Count Carl Van Kossel. But by all accounts, nobody knows if he was a count. So he was a bit of a bullshitter as well. So yeah, that was doing it. Necrophiliac and a bullshitter. Um, <laughs> he died. Um, I don't. I don't I, think um, they worked worked out how he died. I, I think it was just like natural causes. He's quite the biggest murder. The biggest murderer of all his time. It's <laughs> very true. Maybe we should cover time on our podcast one day. <laughs> many the many kinds of time. <laughs> Yo, yo, um, yo, it's crime time. Crime time, yes. <laughs> R.I.P. Shaq Gaspard. Yeah. Um, it's, been it's, it's been reported that he actually died in the arms of the, um, the, I think it was like a life-size 
Eleanor that he made. So he died in the arms of it. <laughs> but it, it's never been confirmed. So, yeah. Oh, so it could either be a story that far. Yeah, just rumours to, to make it up. Everyone likes an ending that incorporates the middle. Yeah. <laughs> it um, seems like it seems like for once this is someone that I would say is not a bad person, not an evil person, just a bit messed up and messed didn't, up. Know, didn't know how to deal without someone and yeah, yeah. you know, there's something wrong with him obviously. Yeah, there's something wrong with him. He was a radiologist and he thought he was a doctor. Yeah, listen to this though. Apparently, um it's claimed that Tanzler had the body switch or that Eleanor's remains were secretly secret returned to him and that he died with the real body of Eleanor. So I know we mentioned about that fake one that he had built or created. Yeah. Apparently that was the real Eleanor, but again, it's just stories. We don't know if that's yeah, true. Yeah. We don't know. But yeah, it's, um, I mean, it's, um, it's, it's really confusing. That one is, um, I don't know really where to go with it because, it, as you say, like he's not the worst person in the world, but yeah, it's a bit but creepy. It's weird. It's yeah. weird and creepy. Yeah, and you, once again, it's still interesting in my opinion because you don't, I don't get how someone could go like that. Especially, to be fair as well, because they were smart enough. I assume there's some kind of test you have to do to become a radiologist in the first place. Yeah, you know. looks like it could be really intelligent. Just, he got the um, look of it. He also okay. looks a little bit like he could be a villain in a, a Batman or any any Marvel or DC kind of yeah. uh, series. So fair play to him. I, yeah, I could, imagine, I could imagine him being played by John Malkovich in a film of his life. Interesting, interesting. You should say that. I mean, there's no reports of uh, John Malkovich uh, playing it, but they um, they can make it questionable whether he killed her too. You know, to make it a bit more dramatic. That would be quite interesting to see. I would, I would like to yeah, see man. that. Um, mm. just the downfall of his life, maybe. Like, why did he become so obsessed with her to like steal her corpse? Just the uh, fact that you know, in the first place, it just wasn't even her anyway. Just he saw someone that kind of looked like her, just a little bit like her. But have you ever seen Corpse Bride? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, rem it reminded me of that a little bit, just because he, I think he um, claimed that she was his wife as well. Yeah, that she'd agreed to marry him from the beyond or whatever. Yeah, pretty much. She said she visited him at the grave and said, "Please marry me, Carl. You helped me so much." Till isn't isn't till death do us part? Didn't they create a bit of a paradox? Good point. Yeah, well, I hope you. Well, I say enjoyed that. I hope you found that um, I, weird. I found that weird and or interesting. Weird and or interesting and or wonderful. There's um, it's weird because uh, like some of the stuff you said in there has parallels to my story. Really? Um, okay. Yeah, like the different aliases. Um, you said something about uh, photographs as well, I believe. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a few different things in there. Um, one thing, for example, though, um, that I would say about my subject this week, mm. uh, he, he may be an evil bugger, but like me and like you, he does know how to dress. I like okay. to think we have this in common. If you're like you and me and you hate clothes with a big name across the chest and you feel like a walking billboard for a company that doesn't even pay its workers a fair wage, then you should visit Nobody's Priority Clothing. See the segue I'm doing. I'll, I'll, I'll get better at the delivery, but the segue was on point. I love your segues. They're, uh, they always make me smile. <laughs> they're, they're either very good or forced in like the story you just mentioned a moment ago. <laughs> yes.
But yeah, so nobody's priority clothing. They have a multitude of clothing with various designs, a scream creativity rather than screaming, I'm a chav bitch. <laughs> uh, nobody's priority clothing available via Facebook and keyspring.com right now. You can use the promo code KDPROMO right now to receive a whole 25% off your order because here at the KD and Curzy podcast, we just can't help but give you the best deal, guys. Very true. <laughs> Mm-hmm. We just can't help it. So once again, nobody's priority clothing is available right now via Facebook and teespring.com. Use code, use promo code KD promo to receive twenty five percent off. But remember, that's zeros in place of the two O's when you do it. So KDPR zero N zero. What is that again, Aaron? How do you spell that? That is KDPR zero M zero. That's all it fucking is. Please help support the channel by buying some sexy ass clothes today. And there will be KD and Cozy merchandise coming soon, babies. So anyway, then my story this week is entitled The Dating Game Killer. Oh, yes. So, yeah, I am going to start. First one, you are right. It is quite a dark story. Yeah. Um, I'm going to start it off, first of all, in 1978. Um, Rodney Alcala is one of the most prolific serial killers in history. Um, no one can be sure how many victims exactly he has. Um, it was believed that he would toy with his victims, keep them alive as long as possible, prolong the suffering. Um, it is believed um, that his death count could be anywhere as high as up to 130. Um, however, he gets his name after he appeared on a dating game uh, on the American show, The Dating Game, back in 1978. So I thought we would start here, considering this was most people's first, mm-hmm. um, you know, this is the first time most people were able to see Rodney Alcala. Um, Do you know one thing about that that dating game show? Um, yeah, It's basically blind date, isn't it? Like yeah, the UK well, I've, yeah, I've got some clips of it here to oh, show yeah. you. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. to meet our first three eligible bachelors for game number one. Bachelor number one is a successful photographer who got his start when his father found him in the dark room at the age of 13, fully developed. (laughs) Please welcome Rodney Alcala. Rod, welcome. Here is a young lady with a wealth of experience. She once earned a living massaging feet, but she quit when her boss suggested that she work her way up. Sensational Cheryl Bradshaw. Hello, Cheryl. And we're going to start by having them say hello to you and see how they sound. Number one, would you say hello to Cheryl, please? We're going to have a great time together, Cheryl. Okay. And here we go. Bachelor number one. Yes. What's your best time? The best time is at night, nighttime. Why do you say that? Because that's the only time there is. The only time? What's wrong with the morning, afternoon? Well, they're okay, but nighttime's when it really gets good. Then you're really ready. I'm a drama teacher, and I'm going to audition each of you for my private class. Bachelor number one. You're a dirty old man. Take it. Come on, over here. (sighs) (sighs) 
Come on, over here. Come on, over here. A bachelor number one. I am serving you for dinner. Oh. What are you called and what do you look like? I'm called the banana and I look really good. Uh, can you be a little more descriptive? Peel me. <laughs> Later, bachelor one. Later. <laughs> Who gets the dates? Well, I like bananas, so I'll take one. Number one, bachelor number one. All right. He's a skydiver, so he's got a lot of nerve. He's into motorcycling. He's also a fine photographer. Say hello to Rodney Alcala. Rodney, come on and say hello. Congratulations, Rod. You did it with the one answer. Tennis. Thank you. Rodney, thank you. Okay. You can go relax, meet each other. So in regards to that, that was... Um he won but apparently after spending a short amount of time backstage together she decided that he was creepy and she said no to the date in the end oh uh, it was after, it was before the date i, I can't i couldn't remember that that's she got off really well she got off, well yeah. she was lucky basically wasn't she so but, fair. well done to her so yeah that, that was um you know a slight intro into what got him the famous name as of the dating game killer mr rodney alcala so um Many would assume that he was on the show before he was on the police radar. Yeah. Um, this wasn't the case, though, at all. Um, to explain fully, we have to go back 10 years to 1968 to the quaint suburb of Hollywood, Los Angeles. Um, Rodney Alcala was an apartment owner who had a love of all things media-related, from photographs to film. Um, four years prior to uh, 1968, Alcala, Alcala had suffered a nervous breakdown um, during his time as a clerk in the United States Army. Uh, during this episode, he went AWOL and hitchhiked back to his mother's house. Um, he was dismissed on medical grounds as a military psychiatrist diagnosed him with an antisocial personality disorder. He would also later on go, he would also later get, um, I think, like you said as well, a whole uh, multitude of different, you know, personality and mental disorders attributed to him, but I didn't list them all. Mm. Um, upon leaving the army, Alcala rolled, enrolled and graduated from the UCLA School of Fine Arts and eventually settled down um, in said Hollywood apartment that he purchased or rented. Uh, um, and this would eventually be the scene of his first known attack. So back to 1968, um, eight-year-old Tally Shapiro was walking to school when she was approached by Alcala in a car. Um, he eventually persuaded her that he was a, a friend of her parents and that he would give her a lift to school. Um, luckily, there was a witnessed. Luckily, this was witnessed by a passerby who felt it seemed suspicious and followed Alcala's car um, until they arrived at Alcala's apartment in which he led Tally inside and the eyewitness promptly rang the police once he you know, saw what was going on and he was taking her in. Um, so fair dues to him, you know, first of all. Definitely. Mm. 
Um, the police arrived shortly thereafter, and after a brief discussion at the door, um, they were forced to kick it down to gain access because he was like, oh, yeah, I'll open it in a minute because they yeah. can only do so much, you know. Um, once they gained entry, there was no sign of Alcala. Um, fleeing the apartment in the time between talking to the police at the door and then gaining entry. However, what they did see would stay with them for the rest of their lives. Laying face down in a large pool of her own blood was eight-year-old Tally Shapiro. She had been raped and beaten with a steel bar, but was miraculously still alive. Um, Alcala, however, like we said, had fled the state and then enrolled in the uh, NYU, which is, I believe, the New York University mm-hmm. Film School under the alias John Berger. Um, <laughs> he would eventually change that to John. That was John Berger, B-E-R-G. He would eventually change it a few years later to B-U-R-G for some reason, like the food. Um, but most interestingly, while at New York University, um, he was taught in his film studies by none other uh, than Roman Polanski. Ah, Another uh, interesting character. Yeah, he's someone that I know is an interesting character, but I don't really know much of. I don't know what he did, mm. what, you know. I, Big I film director. I was something to do with Kitty Fiddling or something like that. Yeah, it was a 13-year-old girl, I believe. Um, so Roman Polanski was film director. His wife was Sharon Tate, and she was actually murdered by the Manson family. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know that name. And she was pregnant yeah. with his child. Um and then years later, he had um, sexual relations with a 13-year-old. And that's so, proven. Yeah, there's, um, she wrote a book about it as well. And it's like up in the air if it was, I mean, she's 13. I think he was like trying to say it was like consensual and stuff. But he's, um, well, so he's. That is, can he? so, well, no, not at all. But they, but they no. definitely had, it's not just written in a book though. No, no, it's been proven. I think he he was about to be tried for, and he was going to get prison sentence, but he fled um, the country. I can't think where uh, America. I think I can't remember now where where he is where he is at the moment. But yeah, he's in one place, and he can't return back there. But yeah, yeah, um, he still make films because he has made yeah, films. He's, he's made a couple yeah. of films since being um, basically convicted of yeah. it. Yeah, like the cheapest guy, isn't he? Um, yeah, very much like the Jeepers Creepers guy. Um, what's his yeah. name now? Can't think. I don't, I don't know. Don't don't care enough to know it. Victor Salva, that's him. Uh, yeah. yeah, I think he's in prison now. Yeah, so, I mean, anyway, then, so all that happened. It was shocking she was still alive, you know, after yeah. the attack anyway. But obviously, just because he got interrupted, the only reason she was attacked, because he liked to prolong it all, you know. That's right. Uh, so that was 68 then. So fast forward to 1971, three years since fleeing the state after the horrible attack of Tally Shapiro. Uh, Rodney Alcala, now using the slightly altered alias of John Berger, like food, um, managed to obtain a counselling position at New at a New Hampshire arts camp for children. Um, in the early months of 1971, Rodney Alcala was officially added to the FBI's 10 most wanted fugitives list. list. Um, however, in June 1971, Cornelia Crilly was found raped and strangled to death in her Manhattan apartment, but her murder would actually remain unsolved until 2011. <laughs> wow, it, it went on that long. I didn't realise that. That murder, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, 
uh, this will actually become known as Alcala's definitive first known murder. Mm. Uh, very possible there was others, though, included, like we said. But that's yeah. the definitive first time he, we know of that he killed someone. Yep. Shortly after this, two children who attended the art camp recognised his photo on an FBI poster at the local post office and notified the authorities. Alcala was promptly arrested and extradited back to California to stand trial in the rape and attempted murder of eight-year-old Talia Shapiro. Uh, I hate when kids are involved. Yeah. That's the worst part. At least, I mean, at least he survived, but that kid, poor kid, going to grow up with those haunting images of that dude. I mean, mm. was anything her like? Did we hear anything back about her later life at all? Is that ever discussed? Because that's the um, one thing that gets me with stuff like that, like how they are later on in life. It depends on the person, and it. I mean, there's not yeah. too much in regards to um, adult life or anything. But one thing we yeah. can say is that um, the evidence was all set, and the investigators were confident in the work they'd done. Yeah. Um, but fate would shine on Rodney Alcala again um, because what actually happened was Tally's parents, the reason we don't know much about what happened and all that mm. about her life is they relocated the entire family right. um, back to Mexico in those three years and refused to allow her to return to America to testify in Alcala's trial. Didn't want to put her through that. Fair. Which you understand. But the issue is that due to this, um, they were unable to convict Alcala of rape and attempted murder, and prosecutors were forced to convict him of the lesser charge of assault, in which Alcala pled guilty, and he was released 17 months later. Yeah, I mean, that's the only um, bad thing about it. It should have gone down for a lot more. But I exactly. can see it from one point of view of like being the parents and not wanting their child to be involved in that, because it's just quite scary yet. That age as it is, you know, and to survive as well. Yeah. You, you can understand it from both ways completely. It's yeah. just a shame because obviously we yeah. know that this wasn't the end of the story and it nope. could have been the end there, you know. Could have been. So, yes, yeah, so 17 months later, yep. he was um, released slash paroled. Uh, this was due to the indeterminate sentencing program. Um, this is a popular pro- program that allowed the parole board to release offenders as soon as they felt they showed evidence, some evidence of rehabilitation. Less than two months after he was released due to this, he was actually arrested again after assaulting a 13-year-old girl after she accepted a ride to school from Alcala, much like he did with Tally Shapiro. Yeah, strangely, not much information is available about this one. Don't remember um, that. No, this seems to be due to the family, again, wanting privacy. But mm. there was also... Um, he was also done at the same time for, um, in this case, for providing the 13-year-old girl with marijuana. Um, she also said that he kidnapped her, but he wasn't convicted of any of that. Just assaulted seems and and providing marijuana to a minor. A minor. Was she 13, you say? Yeah, yeah. We've got another Marty Jeanette on our hands. Yeah, man. <laughs> uh, to be fair, this makes Marty Jeanette. He looks like a pussycat, this man does. Uh, yeah, it does, doesn't it? It gets much worse. Uh, well, yeah. Um, however, much like before, Alcala, he just had a string of good luck, essentially, a fade looking down yeah. at him. Yeah, much like before, man. He was paroled in 1977 after only serving two years of his sentence. 
due to the indeterminate sentencing program once again because he was a sweet talker as you can tell from the dating oh, game man. thing you know he's he knew so, how to so uh, cringe so cringy wasn't it and he was like Rah! yeah but it worked <sighs> Um, later that year, though, anyway, after being released in 1977, yep. Alcala was given permission by his Los Angeles parole officer, weirdly, to travel to New York despite being a flight risk and a violent repeat offender. Um, and while in New York, he murdered 23 year old Ellen Hover, uh, who was the goddaughter of Dean Martin and Sammy Davis Jr. Oh, yeah. Means anything to you, those names? I feel like they would. Yeah. D- Dean Martin, you know. They were part of the Rat Pack. Dean Martin, oh, okay. Dean Martin was in in films as well. Yeah, uh, so um, her remains were discovered to have been buried at the Rockefeller Estate. Um, this case <laughs> would also remain unsolved until the previously mentioned 2011 case involving the murder of Cornelia Crowley in 1971. The following this, he would start working at the Los Angeles Times as a typesetter, but merely used it as a cover to persuade men and women um, that he was a professional photographer and would take sexually explicit photos of all type of people, men, women, older, older people and children too, teenagers. It was believed that these photos, which numbered over 1,000, could include photos of unidentified victims. Wow. Um, due to the nature of some of the photos, some photos were taken you know, after um, attacks, some mm. photos were taken before and had been you know, linked to missing persons yep. and been identified you know found them that way yeah so that brings us to 1978 and his appearance on the dating game in which he won but later was rejected as we said after she found him creepy but that makes a good um a question you know, you know what would that have done to him at the time being rejected like mm. that if it was all legit yeah definitely like mm. would that just enrage him and go on another spree of even more was it always women as well? It was, it was wasn't it? Always women. I don't think he uh, ever. You made of any men? I don't think he did. No. It seems like the spree was just for women and young, younger girls as well from the those not, two counts as well. So to be fair, it's not just younger though, because I mean, that, yeah. Um, did I say that tw- Ellen Harbour was twenty three? That Cornelia, yeah. I think she was older as well, something like that kind of age. Yeah. But the next definitive attack or anything that happened with him was june 20th 1979 i'll tell you the story so 12 year old robin samso from huntington beach disappeared somewhere between the beach and the ballet class she was on her way to her body would be discovered 12 days later dumped in a los angeles dumped in the los angeles foothills robin had left her friends at the beach to walk to a ballet class on the day she disappeared her friends would tell police that a man had approached them and tried to persuade them to let him take photos of her, and of all of them, sorry. After completing a sketch with a criminal photogra- um, criminal sketch artist, it was circulated and Alcala's parole officer recognised him and then informed the police. Police were able to find an earring that belonged to Robin Samso in a storage locker that uh, belonged to Rodney Alcala. Alcala. What is his name? Alcala. 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 I was totally wrong there. Jesus. Yeah, so a storage locker that belonged to Rodney Alcala. They found an earring that was believed to be Robin Samso's. He was arrested in July 1979 and held without bail. In 1980, he was tried, convicted, and sentenced to death for the murder of 12 year old Robin Samso. What do you think happened next? I don't know. I can't remember. 
is is my is my answer. Shortly after the trial, the verdict was actually overturned by the California Supreme Court as jurors were apparently improperly informed of his prior sex crimes, whatever that means. I'm guessing they were made to sound worse or in their opinion or yes. you know, built up a bit. I don't know. So that was nineteen or oh, actually it doesn't say what yeah, it was actually overturned. It sounded like when I was reading it, it was pretty soon after. So I'm yeah. assuming in 1980 or 1981. Yeah. Um, so about five years later, in 1986, the trial was essentially repeated with um, a new batch of jurors. But this time, the details of his criminal record and previous sex crimes were not um, included in the evidence. So he deemed not admissible by the judge. But this didn't actually matter in the end, as he was again convicted and sentenced to death. Um, but in another twist of fate, Alcala received yet another chance at freedom when his conviction was nullified by the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. This was made possible possible because they were able to prove that a witness was, and I quote, not allowed to support Alcala's contention that the park ranger that found Robin's body had been hypnotized by police investigators. I'm guessing it doesn't mean literally hypnotized. You yeah. Know? So, <laughs> look into my eyes. Look into my eyes. You're, you're a murderer. You're under, and you're a murderer. Yeah. <laughs> Ow, my brain hurts because he he's he just seems to have got a lot away with a lot of stuff. Yeah, and, he's just so obviously guilty of it all as well. Yeah, and just the pure cheese like of him. He should be put away for being so cheesy. And and doing those really weird voices on that game show, oh god, uh, uh, gives you nightmares and oh, yeah. yeah. That Ooh. was 1986, the second case. Then, so yeah. I imagine once again, doesn't say exactly how long after it was turned around. We're assuming like another year or two. Yeah, but um, either way, jump forward about to 2003 now. But the sounds of it, it seems like he was held for most of this time because there wasn't anything else after this and stuff. Yeah, like no murders um, and, and stuff that. Yeah, it seems because he was held. It did say before that he was held without bail, and each time he got overturned, a new trial was set in place. You know, so maybe there was a bit more time actually between that one and this probably. one. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but in two thousand and three, then while preparing for the third prosecution of the same case. Um, the DNA fairy seemed to come a calling for Rodney Alcala finally. Yes. Investigators learned that Alcala's DNA had actually been linked now to four cold cases. Following this, he was indicted for murder of, and I will list them off for you. First of all, there was Jill Barcombe, who was 18. She was a New York runaway found rolled up like a ball in a Los Angeles ravine in 1977. Um, it seems like some of these as well, that, and some of the other ones, yep. um, they may not. His MO seemed to change a lot in regards to sometimes they were just dumb, sometimes he would actually go out yep. of his way to um, put their set up their bodies in, you know, like weird stances or weird things, you know, yeah, of course, um, to be a bit arty farty. It just made me think of Hannibal for some reason, that kind of stuff, you know, yeah, so, lambs and all that. She was actually originally thought to have been linked to the Hillside Strangler, though, Jill oh. Barcombe, mm, which is another reason why they didn't realise for a while, I guess. Fair. And it seems like the age is too, because all these are more older. So there was also 
Georgia Wickstead, 27, who was bludgeoned to death in a Malibu apartment in 1977. There was Charlotte Lamb, 31, found raped and strangled to death in a laundry room in the Al Segundo apartment complex in 1978, which was the same year as a dating game appearance. It doesn't say what time of the year, so yeah. it could have been after, you know, like we was on about. But it was also Jill Parenteau, 21, who was also killed in her apartment in Burbank, 1979. Um, the prosecution, after learning this, entered a motion to join the third Robin Samso case with the charges involved with the four new victims linked to Al Calavi, the DNA. Um, in 2006, the California Supreme Court, who were the ones that originally overturned the first prosecution, yep. ruled in the prosecution's favour this time. And in February mm-hmm. 2010, Rodney Alcala stood trial for the murders of all five women. However, Alcala had yet another trick in the works. For the third trial, he decided he would act as his own attorney. <laughs> this just never goes down well, does it? Never goes well. Not at all. We know all of these people that act as their own attorney when they're actually serial killers. Ted Bundy. Yeah, yeah he actually did a good job, didn't he, apparently? Yeah, it wasn't too bad. But it wasn't he doing some study for law anyway. So Yeah, he was already... Um, studying for something and he was just a clever yeah. dude in general and he even used um his access to the library as another that's escape. right that's right brilliant brilliant uh way to escape police custody mm. i was really disappointed with the zach f1 film that came out about that because it was more based around his love life yeah i was hoping for a bit more um it was okay you know if you're a Bun- bundy fan so to speak and you want to feel like fangirl you, more yeah fangirl stuff if you if you like yeah. to you know the just a, a, a standard story uh but more dramatized and love involved in it like a love, disney love, movie yeah love orientated yes yeah, yeah. All, all lovey-dovey then that's the movie for you that's fair yeah. if you like your romantic <laughs> comedies with a little bit of murder thrown in and uh, an eight pack james hetfield's also in that film as well who james hetfield from metallica the elite singer metallica oh that dude yeah yeah, he is yeah. one of the police guards in it, which is weird. I was like, that James Hetfield without uh, a beard. Uh, okay, <laughs> really here we are then. So, he would, as we said, then he would elect to take the stand in his own defence and um, he would actually play the roles of both interrogator and witness. He would, ask him, <laughs> he would ask himself questions, addressing himself as Mr. Alcala um, in a deeper than usual voice and then answered in his own regular voice. Um, I don't... Yeah, sadly, apparently he wasn't allowed to get up and walk to each position as he did this, so that, that killed him. Yeah, that would have been great. To, to that win. would have been. Um, he also repeatedly told the jurors that he couldn't have killed Robin Samso as he was applying for a photography job at the time of her kidnapping. Huh? He would all, he would also go to great lengths to prove that the earring found in his storage locker was his and not that of Robin's. Um, he seemed, which was just a bit bullshit, hmm. really. But um, either way, he put a lot of work into that, but he seemed to forget that he was also on trial for the other four women's murders too, offering nothing more than um, the fact that he, and quote, doesn't remember killing any of these women when he was asked about them. Um, During the closing argument, he played a song called Alice's Restaurant by Arlo Guthrie, which is a song that tells a story of a person informing a psychiatrist that he wants to kill. 
Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, I've never had that, that song either, so, yeah. No, same. Um, that is just part of his closing argument, though, because I actually have a little, another little clip here to show you of his, of some of his closing argument, just a little brief summary of some of that final um, trial, and you'll see what he looks like as well, and honestly, by this point, he straight up looks like a elderly Weird Al to me. Weird Al Yankovic. <laughs> Weird Al Yankovic, yeah. Yeah. Let's have a look there anyway. During a two-hour, often rambling, closing argument Monday afternoon, accused serial killer Rodney Alcala, who is defending himself in the death penalty trial, sat at the council table and spoke in a dull monotone. Alcala could not make his laptop computer project on the large courtroom screen, and he often scrambled to find photos and other exhibits. Alcala spent some of his argument attacking the credibility of Marianne Connolly, 12-year-old Robin Samso's mother. Alcala claimed Connolly, who he refers to as Frazier, Connolly's previous name, made up a story about her daughter's earrings being the same earrings that were found in a Seattle storage locker rented in Alcala's name. No testimony from anyone other than Mrs. Frazier that Robin's ears were pierced. Uh, none of her friends were aware of that. Uh, they were unaware of her wearing earrings. And uh, Mrs. Frazier had plenty of opportunity to provide you, the jury, with a picture of Robin wearing earrings. She stated on the stand that she had pictures of Robin, and if Robin, like she says, uh, wore earrings all the time, that was her habit, then there should be some earrings, some pictures with earrings, and there should be some person who isn't familial uh, to uh, testify that Robin wore earrings. However, no one uh, testified other than Mrs. Frazier that Robin wore earrings. Deputy District Attorney Matt Murphy had brought up the earrings and the storage locker earlier in his closing arguments. He expressed relief to his sister that the police didn't know about the storage locker. So what does an innocent man have to hide, number one? And Murphy noted that Alcala had changed the interior of his car shortly after Samso's disappearance. He put new carpeting in his car. Who does that? And he said he spilled gas in there. Okay. Who does that? Alcala will continue his closing arguments Tuesday morning. Who does that? Who does that? <laughs> Does it? Who does it? Does it? I, I see what you mean about Weird Al, though. That's um, yeah, it's good, good to good to point out. It just yeah. um, it just looks like I don't know, someone's school teacher though, doesn't he? Now, like that grey hair, yeah, really curly as well with those glasses. He just he's lost a lot of weight, obviously, and really what lost a lot of weight as well. Is that girly as old for that? Yeah, like he looks quite like yeah. like a woman. Funnily enough, um, when mom saw the thumbnail of it, because I, um, was, you know, when I was setting up the stuff, I was uploading it all, she yeah. saw the thumbnail and I said to her, can you just click that one of the woman for me, of uh, the dating game one? And she clicked the other one. So <laughs> you're not Brilliant. on your own there. Brilliant. It just goes to show just how nuts he was. I mean, like you were telling me, like he was talking in different voices when he was representing himself. The, the guy's not yeah. right. Clearly he shouldn't be. I mean, maybe he should have been evaluated i don't know um he, he did have some um other 
stuff done. Yeah, he was yeah. seen as competent apparently competent. because they let him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he, he seemed like he was with it. Um, yeah, because he did. He didn't have any of the. This is a bit I didn't mention earlier. Actually, he mm. didn't seem to have any of the generic things that most serial killers would have when they were younger. For example, like the bed wetting. Yeah, in the bullying. Yeah. Yeah. But after less than two days of deliberation, though, the jury convicted Rodney Alcala of all five counts of murder in the first degree. Um, And reportedly, Tally Shapiro, the eight-year-old he attacked in his apartment, um, actually appeared as a surprise witness during the penalty phase of the trial, which, from what I gather, is the part where they... um, when they receive sentencing and the victims and the families of the victims yeah. um, have the opportunity to like, address the guilty person. Of course. Um, seen that a few times, yeah. Um, but over the next 10 years, Alcala, so that was 2010, over the next 10 years, Alcala would be linked to a further, oh, three other women since this, um, evidence which was obtained in part by DNA and by, like we said, a portfolio of photographs that he kept. Six families also stated that they recognised loved ones that have disappeared, but nothing further was able to come of these. But anyway, either way, so yeah, the, the two um, from 1977, they were included in 2011. They were di- indicted for that. Yeah, so there was some charges for for that. I think he had an extra 25 years to life added on, if I remember correctly. Um, but at this point, you know, what whatever um so six counts of first de- degree murder origin- originally anyway wasn't it so you know he's got five what? five sorry five yeah. so five and then two more and then other things too you know he ain't yeah. getting out nah nah what he must be like what 70 now 70 plus um it's gotta be something like that though yeah because he was he looked like around 30 and 78 yeah yeah, over 100 original photos from the portfolio are still available to view online in a continuing effort to identify the missing people in the photos. Due to Alcala's already elderly age and his ongoing attempts at appeals, it is unlikely that the true number of victims will ever be known uh, because it doesn't seem to be given up any hope that he will no. get out still. Um, but at least he has finally been convicted. He's going to die in prison. And like I said, he looks like an elderly weirdo, so he's got that going for him too. Yeah, fair enough. They could be like, I don't know, pen pals and write about songs about murdering women. That's pretty much the story, though, basically, of the dating game killer Rodney Alcala. It's a mind-boggling one, isn't it? Like, mm-hmm. like the yeah, the one thing that gets me with this this one, okay, he's a serial killer. But he had or nothing's reported that he had like a bad childhood. And this is what, as you said, we always find that, you know, they... Uh, tortured animals had uh, bad parents that would beat them bully them so it's just weird like how we've got no background of as to why he may have yeah come, yeah come to just m- murder women it's just, just strange yeah i mean i believe though it's not necessarily based on that i mean that is no. early signs but then if something no. happens like, apparently the most um stressful like the most messed up Thing that happened during mm. his childhood was his dad left at like when he was 12 or something i think or just at a young age but that doesn't make you a killer but it might no. not help i mean our dads left us when we were young we're not killers are we no no i, I wasn't sure if yours had to be fair so yeah but same sort of story but yeah man i'm i'm not i'm not a killer bizarre it, it could have been a few things i mean it could have even been partly due to his um being around Roman Polanski probably didn't help seeing him as some kind of um, 
yeah. mental figure, you know, yeah. and before that too. Some people, I mean, paedophilia as well, uh, from what I've gathered, because you, you always think about this in stories. It's like, why would they do it knowing how messed up it is, how they're going to be hated by everyone when they get found out, not only general public, but even the prisoners too, you know, they're going to kill them and fuck yeah. them up in prison. People, why would they People hate like um, anything to do with like children, don't they? Like if someone's exactly. murdered a child or uh, sexually abused, uh, raped a child, um, yeah. and you go to prison, that's that's the worst kind of crime you can do because the prisoners will just turn on you. Exactly, and like it begs the question: Why would they do that then? And I think it's Louis C.K. made a big point about it. It's like mm. he made a joke about how um, you know it just must be really good for them in the sense of it gets to the point eventually. You know, have to make it sound silly. That um, it's like an addiction, basically. Yeah, yeah. So maybe that played into it, you know, in this story. Mm. Hence why he didn't have to have the killer thing. But then again, it doesn't explain actually because some of them were older too. Maybe he just got off on it all, being smart and people. You know, you can never really tell, can you? Might have had a if his dad left, he might have had a bad relationship with his mum, and then he didn't have much respect for women. Um, no, he had a good relationship with his mum. Hence why. Yeah, hence why after the um, thing at the army, he hitchhiked back to her straight away. Of course, um, my best. Yeah, yeah, the only reason they actually found the um, earring in the storage locker was because they searched her house and they found a receipt at hers or something for the storage locker uh, and then okay. found the earring there. So they were always, you know, fair. talkative, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> strange. We'll never know, though, will we? We can't get inside. No. A serial killer's mind and evaluate why he committed these and crimes but even if they let you get into their mind you have to assume that you you have to take most of it with a pinch of salt as well still you do have you um have you watched mind hunter on netflix yeah, yeah yeah i mean it's a bit of a slow burner isn't it but it's very interesting to see how the fbi started to profile people yeah um, yeah so very good using the the co-ed killer um uh, Ed, no um Ed Kemper. That's it, Kemper. Uh, yeah. One of their main sources of that. It's quite interesting. Yeah, he was pretty much the start of all that, weren't he? And yeah. it makes sense because a lot of them back then only they only got caught when they decided they wanted to get yeah. caught. Yeah. Especially when they didn't know about it. And because of Ed Kemper and then what they did, because um, that's like the majority of that is quite true, isn't it? Yeah, mo- so, most of it's true. I think based the, back anyway. Yeah, yeah, like the two cops. I think the names are different, but it, I think it's based on a book yeah. that was written by one of the FBI agents, if I remember rightly. So um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I always find it strange that um, BTK is going on during that because yeah, he was quite a while after, weren't he? Yeah, um, that's why it was quite. Like the Mindhunter was like based in the seventies, weren't he? Yeah, I think it was late seven, uh, mid to late seventies, yeah. wasn't it? And BTK was captured. In, in the it was the 90s, wasn't it? I feel like but, it was the 90s. Um, yeah. So I think oh, he started no, 2005. Yeah. So he started in the in the 70s, though. So, and I think the crime stopped in the 90s, and then he yeah. was convicted in the early, like, to mid 90s. So yeah. Yeah. It was 2004. He was um, arrested. And, oh, um. Oh, I'm not going to go through it all, but yeah, basically, yeah, you're right. He, um, it'll be good to cover one day, oh, too. Yeah, definitely, man, definitely. But the when I was watching the YouTube videos about, um, Mr. Mr. Carl, 
Mm. Uh, Mr. Cole Tanzler in in this uh, in this episode. We won't call him Cole Hinken. Um, <laughs> the the channel that I used actually had a video about uh, good old Rodney. So um, I, I watched that previously, but yeah. it was it was a quite a short video, so it was missing information. So um, yeah, good to hear more yeah. about it. So thank it, you for bringing that to me. That's cool. I mean, a lot of the time when I'm presenting my stories, I will look at like YouTube videos to try and help me figure out, you know, how to present the story. Take yeah. Little uh, tidbits of, you know, dialogue that I like. Yeah. Um, this was the first one where I actually just used all written research, you know, like Wikipedia and just created the yeah. script by scratch. So I was happy with that one. You did well. I, no, I liked it. It flowed, it flowed very nicely. So. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> That's good. Um, and also as well, uh, this you are more than welcome. We are now officially moving the KD's Comedian Quiz off to Friday. So that will be every other Friday, every two weeks still, as before, on the Joke Fit Connecting Comedy uh, Facebook Facebook page. What can I talk today? And also on the KD Comedy YouTube channel. Um, it won't be on the KD Comedy YouTube channel forever, though. It will be moving on to a new channel. Can't talk too much about it now. Uh, but announcements will be made over the next couple of weeks, and I'm very excited about everything that is going on that will be involved in this. So I can't wait to inform you guys. Uh, but yes, yeah, so this Friday, the 18th of September, Katie's Comedian Quiz are 14. I will be back in the um, seat of power, and I will have on... Uh, Alex Plant will be back, the KD Comedian Quiz are equivalent to coronavirus, because we can't get rid of him. We'll also have Nathan Parrish... Um, we were also who will be um, defending Jack Harris's uh, quiz off crown that he won four weeks ago because obviously the last one was about the podcast episode special that Aidan Perrins and the Never Drinking Again podcast won. We'll also have Griff will be taking part this week and a mystery opponent as well. If you want to know who that is, you're going to have to watch us at 7 p.m. this Friday, Joke for Connecting Comedy or KD Comedy YouTube channel. And probably on my own personal one too, but go to the others because they help us a little more. Hey. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah, man. Um, big things are popping, little things are stopping, as MVP <laughs> would say. I'm coming. Nobody can hold me, nobody can tell me, nobody. He hates that song, you know, he does. don't know why. So yeah, I love it. Get down. Get down. All right, cool then. So, yeah, uh, we still need to get a proper ending, but it's good enough anyway. Um, for everyone out there, thank you very much for watching another episode of the KD and Cozy podcast, the podcast where we talk about all things interesting and all weird, break them down for you, talk about them, see what makes sense, doesn't make sense, and just have an all-around lark. We have a lark. And thanks for listening if you listen on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Oh, yeah, yeah. Thanks for listening. I always forget about you guys. I don't forget yeah. about you. You're the loveliest apart from the video. <laughs> I shouldn't have said... You're all as lovely as each other. Shut That's me true. up, Shut me up, Aaron. Sorry. Shut up. Get Thank off. Uh, yeah, so much love, everyone. I'll see you in two weeks then, Aaron. I'll see everyone watching this in one week. I'll be with one of my comedian buddies, and then you will be back in the next week after that, hopefully, unless you get shut down on your plane. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> oh, I don't right, know. Well, uh, well, uh, well, I'll see you soon. And it's uh, yeah, yeah. great chatting with you again. Cool. All right, Leighton, do take care. You take it easy. I'll speak to you and see you soon. Peace, peace. Later.